I moved to Kentucky where I grew up when I was four years old from Colorado Springs. Uh, I don't remember a lot about Colorado, but I remember my first memory seeing Pikes Peak out my bedroom window. That's probably where I fell in love with winter and Christmas, right at my core. And it was just a really great childhood. I had a lot of fun and I look back with really fond memories. When I was 15 years old and my dad had a stroke, everything changed after he, he got sick. Uh, he, he was a whole different person. I started to build some resentment towards my dad because um, I saw how hard my mom was working for him and how little he uh, responded to that. And he just always wanted more and more and more. In the fall of 2019, he passed away. About six months before my dad passed away, we found out that my mom had non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. I didn't know what that meant, but my first thought was that she's the strongest person I know, she'll fight this and she'll win. And that didn't end up being the case. And then came the anger. I understood that God could handle my anger. Every time I would shout and scream and yell, I felt seen by him in a way that I really hadn't in the past. I found ways to feel close to my mom and cling to her hope and her faith and her faithfulness. So I listened to Christmas sermons in the middle of September. I ran across Crosspoint's Christmas sermon from 2020. They spoke about how that day was the darkest day of the year, the winter solstice. And from that day, every day got a little bit lighter. And those words hit me like a freight train. But I believed that from that day forward, it would get a little bit lighter. Recently, I have been looking through scripture that has to do with light, and a passage that I've recently found um, that has to do with that is Psalms uh, 139. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is a light unto you. In the midst of suffering, um, there can be hope and there can be joy. Even when grief comes back and it overwhelms me and there's loneliness and heartbreak, um, light breaks through. My mom really loved Christmas and she made it special for us every single year. One of my mom's favorite things to do is to make and so we would decorate our tree with her ornaments. I'm very excited to um, decorate my home for Christmas with them and think of her. appreciate Chelsea sharing her story with us. I imagine the same is true for you like it is for me that so many of us are holding sorrow and expectation at the same time, right? I went to the doctor a couple of months ago um, at the beginning of the fall and I was just kind of going through with her. It was just a checkup, but I was kind of going through these weird symptoms I'd been having and just my body responding in weird ways. At the end of the year, you look back and reflect, and my year has held a lot of things, but one of the things that's really defined my year has been grief um, in a way that has never been true in my life before. And so I'm saying all this to my doctor, and I'm saying like, I think this is my body dealing with grief, but it's weird. Can you help me? Like, what is going on? And I thought she'd give me like a nutritional advice or sleep more or something else to do or medicine or something that would help. And when I asked her, what should I do or what can you do? She said, um, I think what you need is to be held. 
And I was like, that is not medical advice, ma'am. <laughs> what are you, do I have to pay my copay now? What are you talking about? Right? You need to be held. And I kind of, I mean, we talked a little more about it, but I just had this moment of like, that is not what I expected her to say. So I spent a lot of the fall thinking about it and, and talking to my friends about it, talking to my counselor about it and being like, what do you do with that medical advice? <laughs> a few weeks ago, some friends and I went to a yoga class called restorative yoga. Let me tell you, if you have never been to restorative yoga, you just lay there. Put your Apple Watch on and count it because that is a workout class where you do nothing. It's, I'm sure it's, it's very helpful, I'm sure, but you just don't do anything. And they play music, it's beautiful. It's just very relaxing and calming. But the difference was the class my friends and I went to, you had to get into like a hammock. Um, if you could imagine Cirque du Soleil meeting yoga, that's what they made me go to. And it was like, it's like this big piece, like a sheet of silk or spandex or something and all four corners are tied to the ceiling and you have to insert yourself in the middle. And so my friends did it very well. You know, I didn't. I, I'd like you to imagine a giraffe in a spider web. You got it. That's exactly right. That's what it looked like me trying to get into this yoga sling situation. But then once you get in and once you get kind of settled and wiggle around and realize it's actually not going to fall and the teacher starts playing music and, and talking to you about what you should be thinking about and praying about. And I had this expectation going in that I would have like a moment with Jesus, right? That I would like cry and like see a picture in my head. I like thought I'd have this big moment and it actually didn't happen. I mean, I, I prayed and I thought and I laid there, but what actually happened is I was held and I thought, oh, this is what my doctor meant because I was kind of cocooned in this thing. And so every side of me was kind of collapsed upon myself and I was just squeezed really tight and it felt so safe. I thought, oh, that's what she means. This is what it means to be held. I think I'm a pretty hopeful person in general, but all of us can have situations or experiences or seasons that just don't feel hopeful. And maybe that's exactly how you showed up today. Whether you're here in the room with us at one of our campuses or online, maybe you showed up feeling less than hopeful. We sing that song at Christmas, right? A thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices. And some days I feel like I can show up with the thrill of hope and some days I feel like I show up like the weary world. And I imagine that's some of us in here today too. And, and I guess my question is, I wonder if you need to be held. I wonder if what you need is for something or someone stronger than you to wrap you up and say, it will be okay. I think that's what we all want is we all want to be held. What we all really want is hope. We want to believe that this is going to be okay. And I actually think hope comes when we behold. 
And what if when we are beholding, we are being held? We've talked about this word, this whole series, the word behold. So let me define it for you again. To behold something is is to look at it with intention, to draw your attention, to pay focused attention to something. To behold it, it means to not be distracted, but to be looking in a certain way on purpose. And so Pastor Kevin taught us in week one about beholding the Lamb of God. And then last week about beholding the King. And this week, I, I want us to talk about what does it look like to behold with hope? Because we all really need it. How to behold, how to be held. <laughs> and what if hope is the thing that holds us? We've looked at this same part of the story of Jesus' birth all three weeks. I want us to read it again today. This is Luke chapter 2, and this is verses 8 through 11. If you have your Bible, you can turn there. If not, I know how to read, so I got us. But this is part of the birth of Jesus. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) For sure, that's so scary. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, look, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. That's really important. It's good news of great joy for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Behold. We've talked about this word this whole series. It's actually used 213 times in the New Testament in the original language. But we keep going back to this behold because this behold is the one that tells us we are held. This behold is the angel saying, look, look right here. Look right here. The hope you've been longing for is here. Look, you're gonna be held After these people had waited hundreds of years, thousands of years, generations for the Messiah, he's here. I told you my year has been marked by grief. One of the most profound things was my nephew, TJ, was born in June and passed away in August. He lived with us 56 days. Very cute, very cute. And I just love him. And I'm sure when he died, people said to me, Jesus is your hope. Jesus is holding your family. And I'm sure I smiled because I'm Southern. And I said, thank you, because I'm polite. And I am sure that I rolled my eyes in my head. Are you with me? I'm sure I did. Not because what they said isn't true, but because it didn't feel true. But it is true. And you know what? I actually feel really safe and really held when the truth stays the truth, even when my feelings don't feel it. 
See, our circumstances don't get to tell us who God is. We tell each other and remind ourselves of who God is in the middle of our circumstances. Let me say it to you again. Our circumstances, the thing you're living through, the thing you are surviving, the grief, the suffering, the fear, that doesn't get to tell you about God. God does not change. What we get to do is learn about God and study who Jesus is. And then we say to our circumstances, let me tell you about Jesus. Even when we don't feel it, our circumstances don't define God. And I'm so thankful because that actually makes us safer, y'all. That actually is better because our foundation doesn't change when our circumstances are so unreliable and heartbreaking. Jesus does not change. So we look to him. We look to Jesus who is our hope. Just like that angel said, just like we still believe, we look to Jesus. We behold him because he holds us. When Paul starts his letter to Timothy, this is how he starts. This is 1 Timothy 1.1. That's all I'm telling you it starts, right? Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the command of God, our Savior, and of Christ Jesus, our hope. The message version says, our living hope. We sing that a lot around here our living hope. So even when your circumstances tell you not to hope, when your circumstances tell you there is no more hope, the bank account is too low, the relationships are too broken, the diagnosis is too dire, the addiction is too strong, the family fractures feel too big that they will not heal. The loneliness has lasted too long. The loss is too tragic. You heard it in Chelsea's story that our circumstances can tell us there is no hope. And that is when we need to be held. And that is when we need to behold Jesus. That's when we need hope. I want to read you something else about Jesus. This is Colossians chapter one. We're gonna read 15 chapter, verses 15 through 17. He is the image of the invisible God. He is Jesus. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. He is before all things and in him, all things hold together. They say it right here in Colossians. It says right here like, Jesus holds all things together. So in your suffering and in your struggle and in your sadness, you are held together by Jesus. Even when it does not feel that way, our hope is that we are held by the one we behold who holds all things. Your feelings should not be ignored. I hope we've been friends long enough. You know, I'm not telling you to ignore your feelings. But we say around here a lot, your feelings can ride, they just don't get to drive. 
right? And Pastor Chris would say, they can pick the music. Let your feelings pick the music, but they don't get to drive. But I don't want you kicking them out of the car. I don't want you to pretend like you don't feel. This is a season where we can have a lot of heartache and struggle and, and grief. And then we have to show up at parties and be fine. And we have to show up at things and be fine. And so we're very good at pretending we're fine. And I'm telling you, you don't have to do that with Jesus. Because your feelings are telling you something. They just don't need to make your decisions for you, right? Because your suffering actually really matters because it's your suffering that leads to hope. So your suffering is really, really important. You know how much hope matters. Well, hope matters because your suffering matters. This is Romans uh, chapter five. We're gonna read verses three through five. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. That's like a whole, we could talk about that for 30 minutes. Rejoicing in trouble, no thank you. But there's a reason, right? So let's keep going. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials for we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope, will not lead to disappointment. For we know how dearly God loves us because he's given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. Hope is not free. In Galatians, there's this list of fruits of the Spirit, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. If I've missed any... Kevin at crosspoint.tv, don't tell me. But I think that's them. The fruit of the Spirit, and here's what's true. With the fruit of the Spirit, when you are walking with Jesus in any way, when you are in any type of relationship with God, those are part of the gig. Those are just what we should be and what we can experience. You know what's not on that list that's free is hope. Hope is not a fruit of the Spirit. It doesn't just come with this gig. You have to do something to get hope. And what Scripture says is that your suffering really matters. And you're suffering, whatever your suffering is right now, your suffering really matters because it actually builds perseverance in you. When you suffer and you don't give up, what happens after you don't give up is your character builds and you get stronger. And as your character builds, you have hope. But you got to go through this process to have hope. You, we have to suffer. Guess what? We don't get to pick that. That's a freebie for being a human. So we're going to suffer. But the, the good news of that is then you go, well, then I'm not going to give up. Because I know what happens at the end of this. Every time suffering comes into your life, what you can actually say to yourself is, well, here we go. I know this process. And I know what happens at the end. I get hope. So I may be suffering today, but I am not going to give up on this relationship, on God, on, our, on my job, on my life. I am not going to give up because after I persevere, my character builds and I get stronger and then I have hope. Then I have hope. That is why your hope really matters because your suffering really matters because your suffering is what builds you to your hope. And so as we suffer, it is not wasted. Your suffering is not wasted. It is building something in you. Thank God. 
but hope is not a magical pill, unfortunately. I wish this could be one of those things where I was like, as you walk out, we will hand you hope. (laughs) Take it along, won't you? There's not like a three-point sermon that makes this solve really quickly, but I absolutely can tell you what it means to behold our living hope and to make a practice of beholding Jesus in your life, okay? Because that's what it is. This is a practice of beholding Jesus. So this week, today, tomorrow, whenever it happens for you, when you have this moment where you think, I don't know how to get through this, This feels sad, this feels scary, this feels stressful, this feels challenging, this feels confusing. When you get there, I want you to sit on the edge of your bed or in your car or in your wheelchair or on your couch. I want you to sit where you sit and I want you to close your eyes and I want you to pray this. It's a very easy prayer. Jesus, you are my hope. I am looking for you. Help me. Jesus, you are my hope. I am looking for you. Help me. Behold him. That is beholding him. And you just sit there and pray that and then spend the day going, I asked Jesus this morning to show up for me because I believe he is my hope even when I don't feel it. And then you look at your day different because maybe he'll actually do the thing you asked him to do. Maybe he will help you. And then you go, oh, I'll pray that again because he shows up. Jesus, you are my hope. I am looking to you, help me. I was listening to a podcast last weekend and there's an author, speaker, um, theologian named Andy Crouch who is just brilliant. If you aren't reading or listening to Andy Crouch, I would really suggest, suggest it. And one of the things he said in this podcast was spiritual disciplines are not a device. They are an instrument. Spiritual disciplines are not a device. They are an instrument. Let's, let's talk about that for a minute because you know what a device is, right? We all have a device. In my house, if I want to turn the living room lights on, I can hit a button on my device and it turns the living room lights on. If I don't want to cook, and spoiler, I don't want to cook, I can ask Postmates to bring me Cracker Barrel. And if you have not Postmated Cracker Barrel, welcome to your future. The grilled chicken strips are delish. I don't have to cook anything. I can push a button on my device and it requires nothing of me. If I want to play music on my device, I just hit a button and it plays music. It hasn't required me to do anything except push a button. You know how a device works. It's almost magic, right? I went to a restaurant this week and and for valet, you didn't even have to talk to a person or wait. You just said, I'm ready. And they said, come get your car. (laughs) Nothing. It didn't require anything of me. But if I want to like make dinner, I have to use the instruments in my kitchen. If I want to play music, if I want to play this guitar, it's going to require something of me. I can play music or I can play music. And when you need an instrument to play music, you're gonna have to suffer a little bit because I don't know if you play guitar, most of you do, we live in the same zip code, but the, your fingers are gonna hurt because you have to get calluses. You're gonna have to suffer. 
You're going to have to grow and change. I wrote a song about it. No, I didn't. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. We want y'all to come back. I didn't. Um, I will not sing. When it comes to an instrument, in order for you to use an instrument, you have to practice it and learn it. And you are changed. When I play music, it does not change me. When I learn the guitar and play music, I am a different person. Do you see the difference? So Andy Crouch says, spiritual disciplines are not a device. They are an instrument. So I emailed him this week and I said, first of all, can I quote you at Crosspoint on Sunday? And he said, yes. I said, thank you. And then I said, do you think hope is an instrument or a device? I won't speak for you, but I'll tell you what I wish. <laughs> I wish hope was a device, right? I wish it was a thing that we could just push a button and we would be full of hope, that we could just say to ourselves, okay, today's gonna be a hopeful day. And that feeling you get, you know the feeling when you're full of hope, that feeling that comes along with being hopeful fills us and we go, great, I love this device. I wish we could read one verse and walk out of here and be like, that's all good and true and now I'm fine. I wish I could feel better than I feel. And I did because I read that one verse, device. But Andy Crouch said, no, <laughs> hope is not a device. Hope is an instrument. Hope is an instrument. Hope is something we practice. Hope is something that requires something. You know this, we just talked about it. We, we have to suffer so that we learn to persevere, so that our character builds, so that we are full of hope. Hope is an instrument. And, and we have to experience life and pain and not give up for our character to grow, for us to be full of hope. It is a lifelong journey. Eugene Peterson says, it is long obedience in the same direction. It is beholding Jesus, who is our living hope, who holds us and practicing hope like that. And the thing about hope that you know and I know is everybody needs it. Everybody needs it. We all feel at times like we don't have it. And, and so this week, whenever you sit down, whether you do it today, tomorrow, or Friday, or Christmas Day, when you sit down and pray that prayer, Jesus, you are my hope. I am looking to you. Help me. What you can actually picture is tens or hundreds of thousands of your friends from all of our campuses doing the same thing because we all need hope. And we all need to be held. It's why hugging is great when it's mutual and agreed upon. Because we like to be held. It's one of the things we get to do for each other at church. It's, it's one of the reasons that our Christmas Eve services are so important because people who don't feel held can be held. And people who have no hope can hear of hope. Especially as this week gets colder in temperature, I've been thinking about all the people, many of you, who will get up and go to work even when it's single digits here. Because you are, your job requires you to help the rest of us. So there will be people who go to work every day. There will be people who are still living on the streets every day as this weather dips. 
There are people in need. There are people that, that you think don't need anything that need a lot of hope. And so these cards, we can just grab them. And I would say, just grab a couple, put them in your bag. And as you're going to Trader Joe's to get the Peppermint JoJo's, or as you are going to work this week, or as you are at an, an event of some kind and you think, I wonder if they need hope, you can just hand it over. You don't have to be weird about it. Just hand it over and say, hey, you can come with me or you can meet me there or you can go whenever you want. But my guess is most of the people we know and love want to be held and need some hope. I got to tell you the last thing that Andy Crouch said to me in that email. When I asked him if hope is an instrument or a device, he said hope is an instrument. But he said, with all spiritual disciplines like hope, there is an element of gift and hope. It is not simply something we get good at, but something we find ourselves being given beyond expectation or deserving as we practice it. He called it a gift beyond achievement. Isn't that beautiful? Because listen, we can't work hard enough to get the hope that we need, but we can sure practice it. And then God shows up and does the miracle part. He does the miracle part. We do the practicing part. He does the miracle part. What if practicing hope is like being in that yoga swing thing? What if it is a choice and a practice and an instrument that we put our time to, but God actually gifts above and beyond as we practice, as we behold Jesus? What if practicing hope looks like a giraffe in a spider web until it doesn't, until you're just held? As we practice hope, we get held. And we behold our living hope, Jesus. I was talking to my friend Becca about this this weekend and she said, you know, the amazing thing about Jesus as our living hope is he's actually the one who will take away all the suffering in the end. I thought, that's it. That's it. That, that's what makes Jesus, Jesus. <laughs> is in the end, it says there will be no more tears. There will be no more suffering. He is our living hope and he takes away all the suffering. He came as a baby and has made a promise that he will keep that no other God can make, that in the end, he is gonna make it right for you. In the end, he is gonna take all of our suffering. That's why we sing you have no rival and you have no equal because no one can make a promise like that except our God and actually pull through on it. And he will, and he does. He is our living hope. So we're gonna hear a song. Our worship team's gonna sing this beautiful song. And I, I just invite you to stay where you are. <laughs> And maybe this is when you need to pray that prayer. Maybe you got in here today or you're watching today and you're like, oh, this is the words I didn't know to say, but this is what I need to say. Jesus, you are my hope. I'm looking to you, help me. But my hope is as you hear these words and sing along if you want, whatever, whatever you want. 
that you will get to practice a little hope today because he is our hope. So I'm gonna pray for us. And I'm just reminded that when you think things are the darkest, like on December 21st, the next day is gonna get a little lighter and a little lighter and a little lighter. The light always comes. The light always comes. Let me pray for us. Jesus, you are our hope. We are looking to you. We behold you, Jesus. Help us. Help us as we grieve. Help us as we suffer. Help us in our fear. Help us in our depression. Help us in our disappointment. Help us in our confusion. Jesus, just help us. We are looking to you. For each of my friends out here today, God, help, help. You are our living hope. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen.